I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. There we go. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we are reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? Doing amazing and about to be even better because I'm fired up. I think that there's a gift for us awaiting to happen, and it's some time with our guest. And same for the listener today. You're in for a treat. They are in for a treat. And for those people tuning in for the very first time, how can they be encouraged each and every Monday? Yeah. And what else can they expect? Yeah, we drop new episodes. There's over a hundred in the library, but it grows every Monday with right. um, fresh episodes in the morning. So thanks for tuning in. It's a joy to come into your workouts, your car rides, your commutes and your offices, but we're going to get going. Don't you think? I think so. So if you would like to rate, review, and subscribe to youngadults.today, please do so. And we would love to hear from you, what God's teaching you, what you've taken away from some of these amazing speakers that we've had. And we have an incredible guest today, Josiah. So do you just want to give us a sneak peek? Who who is behind mic number two? I will read his bio in just a second, but we are joined by one of my favorite people, Pastor Daniel (laughs) Fusco. How are you? You guys, I am doing great. And I am so stoked to be on the podcast with you. And I just love how God is using you guys and and the way that God has continuing to multiply uh, your ability just to be able to minister to people. And man, talk about, I mean, we're going to talk about young adults, reaching young adults. And if there was ever a great topic at this cultural moment, it's this. And so I'm just stoked to be here with you guys. And I'm super excited. So true. We share your excitement and your excitement, Pastor Daniel, is contagious. I remember meeting you in 2017 um, at an event in Tennessee, and you're one of the people that I just can't forget. It's (laughs) you're contagious with joy. And Pastor Daniel, for the listener, is a lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington, a ministry that reaches people across the globe with the message that Jesus is real. Come on, somebody. So he inspires people to live out their faith by simply responding to Jesus. He's the author of a number of books, actually. And this week, adding to that list of books is Crazy Happy. His radio program, uh, Jesus is Real Radio, and TV show Real with Daniel Fusco can be found on stations all across the U.S., including the Hillsong Channel. He lives with his wife, Lynn, and their three kids. And so the focus, listen, catch this, is on happiness, fulfillment, and contentment today. And isn't that something, babe, that we all need? We do all need that, especially coming out of a pandemic, stepping into a new season, trying to acclimate, quote unquote, which is a new norm or the regular life of which we're trying to resume back to. Don't know how it's going to happen, but these three words I think can resonate with every single listener, no matter where they're at, no matter what age, no matter what stage of life that we can kind of cling on to that truth. So here we go. So here we go. Daniel, can you just start by sharing some of your story with us and the listener today? Yeah. So, you know, it's really awesome because I came to know Jesus as a young adult. I was in my final year of college. Wow. So I grew up, I'm all Italian from New Jersey. So, you know, if anyone ever has ever seen me speak, I speak with my hands. I like to say that my hands are like an extension of my vocal cords. Like if, if you tie <laughs> my hands down, I can't really say anything. Um, but, you know, I grew up in a really loving, loud, like kind of whatever your, uh, you know, stereotypical ideas of New Yorkers 
who are all Italian. That was totally my family, just like <laughs> loud, loving, lots of food, you know, uh, but we were, we were culturally Catholic. So, so it was more of like, you're Italian, so you're Catholic, but we never talked about God hmm. at all. We never read the Bible. You know, we go to church at different times, but it was more of like, yeah, we, you know, we, yeah, man, we just put in our 45 minutes and, and, and we'll move on. And so uh, by the time I got into high school, uh, and then into college, you know, it was just, I was off the rails, you know, uh, because I just didn't know any better. I was just kind of mm -hmm. living like the way the world says that you should live. And, and, but I was starting to struggle once I got into college with that, um, just feeling discontented that now I know it's like a holy discontentment, wow. but I wouldn't have used that word. I was just like, I was living the dream, but I wasn't fulfilled. I'd come back from parties and I'd be like, man, this can't be what life is. Like, mm -hmm. is this what this is going to be? And no matter what I did, I was just unfulfilled. And so uh, it started a, a search for me that landed in Jesus, but would never have begun with Jesus because I was, I was raised kind of with a cultural Catholicism. So like I knew a little bit about Jesus, but I wasn't, it seemed so irrelevant to me. So, you know, I was reading about, I was reading books on the Buddha. I was having like free vegetarian meals with Hare Krishnas and, you know, and people were like, Hey, let's do yoga. We we're, you know, we we're just exploring all this stuff. And Sure enough, I had two friends who had come to know Jesus uh, in the journey of college who were kind of struggling to get their walks together, but we would have talks and, and, you know, and so that was happening. And my, my mother, unfortunately got diagnosed with cancer when I was after my first year of college and wow. she ended up uh, losing her battle to cancer uh, before my final year of college. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that was just kind of like a, um, it was like hitting a wall, mm -hmm. um, my mom was just an amazing woman and uh, like, you know, in Italian families, the mom, the mother's the matriarch. I mean, she's the glue. Yeah. Like if moms are glue, my mom was like a department of defense grade, like <laughs> super glue. Like she was unbelievable. And, and so, but just all the circumstance, I never thought about eternity. I never thought about any of these things. And when she was really at, at, towards her last days, she would, she wouldn't want to fall asleep at night because she would stay up. Um, Cause she thought if she fell asleep, she'd, she'd pass away. Mm. And so um, she, my grandparents were staying with us to kind of help. My dad was working. And, and so, but I was in college. So I'm like, I stay up all night anyway. Like, like I'll stay up with mom. So my grandparents could get some sleep. And my wow. mom would ask me to read to her uh, Psalm 23, the first like six or eight verses of John 14, mm. you know, and, and it was my first time ever reading the Bible. It was like reading to my mom. And so uh, when she passed away and we were kind of dividing up like kind of some of the things of my mom's to remember her by, all I wanted was that red Gideon's Bible that I read to her that she got in the hospital, wow. you know, that she took home and, uh, and it was sitting on my bookshelf. And so sure enough, as I got towards the end of college and I was searching, I had, I was challenged by my friends and by actually a, a developmental psych professor to, to, to check out the teachings of Jesus. And I pulled that red Gideon's Bible off my bookcase and uh, started reading in the new Testament. And I got saved somewhere in Matthew's gospel. That's incredible. Amazing. That's incredible. Thank you for going there and just sharing your life story of the importance of family and the importance of your mom, where you've come from and, and where God has taken you and where he's going to be taking you. And one of those other areas is uh, the book, Crazy Happy. And well, you just exude happiness and joy. True. So if you can't see him, he has these bright white chiclets and you can't erase that from his face. So that is a compliment for me, just so you know. <laughs> It's our first time meeting. So sometimes people, they may not know if I'm joking or not, but um, yeah. So you just exude joy and happiness. And 
um, that's just one of our passions. That's what we want this next generation to experience mm-hmm. the true crazy adventure God can yeah. take us on and the joy and the happiness that can come with that and the fulfillment that you even touched on so far. So I would just be willing to open up this next question for you. What are you seeing among the next generation from like 18 to 30 year olds in what we consider probably post-Christian, post-modern and unchurched parts of the country? What are you seeing in regards to that age demographic? Well, I mean, so I I guess the question would probably be like in what portion of that demographic, because obviously, like I always tell people that when we're looking at culture, there is like, what is everyone across the board? But then it's like, what is going on in kids who are raised in the church? Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's what's going on in the kids who are raised outside of the church, you know? And so it, it, there are different things going on in different pockets, pockets. I think ultimately what we're seeing right now culturally, and that's not only young adults, is that we're seeing large scale deconstruction. And, and, and really what that is, is I actually don't think deconstruction is bad in like as a concept, because really what the younger generation is seeing is they're looking at the world and they're saying, this isn't good enough, which is a great thing. And, 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 and every generation, you go back to the 60s before the, you know, they, they were hippies, before they were boomers. And they're like, yeah, this is not good enough. Like we could do better than this. And I think that that's a beautiful thing because you know, there's an idealism to being young and they're like, man, like I want my world to be better than this. And so they're looking at all these different areas, whether we're looking at race relations, whether we're looking at, you know, kind of the way wealth is distributed or things like immigration politics, they're saying, look, we, we should be doing better than this. And they're also part of becoming a young adult is defining yourself. And for most people, they define themselves differently from their parents. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's like you have like the, and like, it's like teenage, like the teenage years, puberty is designed by God and by nature, really by God through nature for children to leave their parents and start new families. I mean, you know, that's what the Bible says. You'll leave your father and mother, you'll cleave to your wife and the two will become one plus. So it's like puberty is designed for people to mature so that they leave their family to start a new family. So, but you have that. And then they're also, you know, you have kids who are leaving their parents' faith they're uh, they're abandoning their parents' politics, and and it is a normal step, and we call that all deconstruction. Whether we're looking at how policing works, it's going on everywhere. So I think deconstruction is what is happening, and not all of it is bad, but some of it is completely destructive. So and and I think so. I always tell people that when we're talking about the younger generation, the younger generation wants a voice because they don't like what they're seeing and they're not content with the status quo. Beautiful. And so for me, it's like, how do we give the younger generation a voice into what's going on? Because this is going to like, they're not, I always say that the, the emerging generation is not the future. They're the present. Hmm. It's just the people who think that they're the future don't realize that they're already here and they want to say in their world. That is some brilliant insight. I can't wait to digest that and also dive deeper (laughs) into that. And in, in especially this year, like this present moment that we find ourselves in right now, I think there's a lot of people mm-hmm. who are, you know, economics is calling it the great resignation, where people are asking like, hey, what's the meaning of life? Is the mm-hmm. work I'm doing actually purposeful? Or does it align with my values? Does it even matter or make a difference? And people are really dissatisfied in life. I think collectively. Um, So what would you say to that individual maybe who is searching for happiness? 
Yeah. So, and that's a great question. And, and here's what I want to say. Like, so I live in Vancouver, Washington, which is just over the Columbia from Portland, Oregon. Exactly. So like I live in the sprawl of what is statistically the most liberal city in America. Yeah. It's the quintessential liberal city. Now, before I was ministering here, I was planting churches in the San Francisco Bay area. So I've been ministering for the bulk of my life in the most liberal cities in America and just outside. So what's amazing is, is when you're looking at everybody's looking for happiness, Plain and simple. It's, it's why McDonald's has been selling a happy meal and not a sad meal for like mm-hmm. 50 years. It's like, it's like, can you imagine someone at McDonald's like, hey, can I get a sad meal? Like nobody wants to buy that as it comes with like a little thing of, you know, tissues or something and, and, and like a, a little candy. I don't know. It's like people want to be happy. And then what happens is, it's like you go to church sometimes and well-meaning pastors say, God doesn't care about your happiness, which I'm just like, that's not biblical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do I know? Because- the, the word blessed in the Bible, makarios in the Greek language, ashray in, in the Hebrew language, that is always can be translated, oh, how happy, oh, how fortunate, right? And so the Bible is full, like, like Psalm 144, 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Yep. Jesus said, John, you know, in John 10, I've come that they might have life and they might have life more abundantly. So every time you read that word blessed in the Bible, you can translate it very specifically as happy. And so like, I always tell people, and, and I get pastors say it because when people think of happiness, our culture is so focused on it that it's kind of like a trivial, superficial happiness. Like mm-hmm. I just got me some ice cream and now I'm happy. Like I got 500 likes on my video and now I'm happy. And so we have a tendency as ministers and as, as, as pastors, as leaders to, we react to the culture rather than engaging the culture and saying, listen, we have a tendency to think of happiness this way, mm-hmm. but actually the Bible already explains happiness to us. Right. And so, so what I tell people when they come to me, they're like, you know, cause and I, and we have it. I mean, like we have people like, and we see people come to know Christ every week here at Crossroads, you know, we're reaching the lost in mass numbers and, and it's all, and it's also a large established church. So I have people who've been walking with Jesus for longer than mm-hmm. I've been alive. And I have people who are literally like, we saw some 25 people in our gatherings on Sunday say yes to Jesus for the very first time coming Amazing. forward, tears in their eyes. Wow. And everybody says, doesn't God want me to be happy? And we always answer it the same way. We say, yes, God wants you to be happy. But the places you're probably looking for happiness, you're actually not going to find it there. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, I want to make the distinction that everybody wants to be happy. And our culture says, you want to be happy? Get the new phone. You want to be happy? You know, uh, do this, do that. You know, make sure you go on vacation. Make sure you quit your job. You know, make sure you go get, you know, and there's all these different messages. And, and I always like to say, like, we have, left our, to our own devices, we start with what the culture is telling us. Mm-hmm. But our culture is on, a, on the hamster wheel of happiness seeking and nobody's fine. I did it, you know. And so what I always like to say is God wants you to be happy, but happiness actually isn't a destination. It's a journey. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just a destination. It's not just a, a destination or a journey. It's actually a person because happiness is found in Jesus because blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven. And of course, Jesus's most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, begins with nine, this is what the happy person looks like, which is what I call crazy happy. You know, it's not like <laughs> Ren and Stimpy, like happy, happy, joy, joy. It's like, it's God's plan for happiness is crazy because when you think about happiness, nobody thinks about the Beatitudes. Like Jesus began his sermon with like, guess what? The happy person is poor in spirit. The happy person mourns. What? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> like whoever thought that like, 
weeping and grieving is God's plan for happiness, but it is. Yeah. So I try and point them to Jesus and his plan and his vision for human happiness that he brought to us. I think that's so good. And I think we come across a lot of young adults who, like you said, they will look to look for happiness in all the wrong places. And many people will move across country or they'll take that two months and we're going to go to backpack and we're going to Europe and I'm going to find inner peace and I'm going to find myself. And, you know, whatever people are searching for is potentially what they're think that they're going to find, but they come to the dead end and recognize like, wow, where I am is where I'll be, you know? And the thing that they kind of try to run away from is themselves and not, you know, dealing with the layers of fear, doubt, and worry, traumas, all those different things, and truly recognizing like, what is going to make me happy? And what is going to make me filled with joy? And what is going to, you know, ultimately unleash the purpose of why I'm here. And I think you already kind of alluded to some of that, uh, the Beatitudes, and so many people might be familiar with the Beatitude teachings, as well as the fruit of the spirit, but they might you know, remain compartmentalized. You know what I mean? Like we don't think of the fruit of the spirit as a fruit bowl with all these different things. It's I'll take the apple. I'll take the orange. I have this, but I don't have that. Uh, Maybe I'll work on that someday, but how can you like show the hybrid approach when it comes to the beatitudes and the fruit of the spirit? How would you describe that hybrid? Yeah. So it's a bit, so in the book, crazy, happy, nine surprising ways to live the truly beautiful life. I take the nine beatitudes and I link them up to the nine fruit of the spirit. And it made for a super cool study. And I remember like, I was at a place that I was real crispy. That's what I would have called it. Like I was just kind of brittle. It was like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because anything was bad. It was like, you know, I, I get to pastor at this amazing church with an amazing team and God's just doing great stuff. And I get to talk to people about Jesus and there's radio and there's television, and there's all the social media stuff and there's books. And it's like, man, I never thought in my life I'd do any of this stuff. Like, like I was probably would have been voted the least likely to be a pastor in my high school, you know, like, and so like, I, I was like amazed at what was happening. And I love my bride, Lynn, and we have these three great kids and and like it's just awesome but like i was just like i i was living a like a magical dreamy kind of life but i was like like i was feeling kind of just brittle mm-hmm. so i remember it was time to take a little bit of a break and we always do it as a family where we take an extended time at the beginning of the summer the kids are out of school it's kind of the end of that, that ministry season so it's a great time just to kind of detach and i remember i i went away i'm like i just need to read the beatitudes and i literally just put in my journal wrote all nine of them out you know, and just was journaling over them. And, and God was ministering to me. And, and, and it was like, and that was like, I had never realized been a pastor for 10 years that like, oh wait, blessed are, happy are. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Like I have everything I wanted. Why am I not happy right now? And I'm looking at this list of nine things and I'm like, I am, I am not seeking my happiness in any of these nine things. I'm seeking my happiness in, hey man, there's books. Hey, there's TV. Hey, you're doing conferences. Hey, you, you know, it's like, oh wait, none of that stuff actually makes you happy. That's just things you get to do in Jesus name. Right. And then what happened was after about four days of doing that, my ADD kicked in, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, okay, I've been in the Beatitudes for, for four, four days now. And then I, a thought came to me, isn't there nine fruit of the spirit? Kind of, you know, shuffling my Bible <laughs> to the right over to Galatians five. And I'm like, there totally is. And I'm like, I wonder what happens if I put them together. Like that's literally how it went. And I put them together and I wrote them in my journal and I, and I together. And then I started scribbling notes. And then all of a sudden, about two days into this, I'm like, how has nobody put these things together? Like, I believe God's word is inspired. It's an mm-hmm. errant, you know, it's like the, even the ordering of the words has meaning 
yeah. spiritually. Totally. So I'm like, I put them all together and I didn't mix the order up. And I'm just like, oh. I, went to the, I, I went to Amazon. <laughs> I'm like, and Google, I'm like, Beatitudes and Fruit of the Spirit. Has anyone written this book? And no, I'm like, okay, I got to write this book. This is great. And so I, like, it began this process. And really what I've realized is that one, you look at the Beatitudes and if Jesus were to be here today and write it as a self-help book, nine chapters, you'll never find with all the thousands of books on happiness, nobody is talking about what Jesus is talking about. Like mm -hmm. none of them. Like just think about the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So really what Jesus is saying is the entry point to happiness is humility. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now every self-help book, self book on happiness, it's focused on you, which is like, so pride is the enemy of happiness, which we know biblically because pride at the root of every sin is pride. The center of pride is the letter I, is the letter I, which is the self. And we live in a culture that is obsessed with the self. I am the center of the universe. Everything exists to serve me. And Jesus says, no, no, you're more blessed to give than receive. So Jesus begins, you will never be happy unless you're humble, right? Now you link that to the first fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is, first one is what? Love. Love, yep. Right? And everybody knows love. John, the great, you know, English theologian, John Lennon, all you need is love, right? <laughs> yeah. But what's amazing is he's right, except for the fact that he couldn't even keep the Beatles together. So it's like, but what, what keeps us from loving somebody else? Pride. Hmm. And Jesus, the only perfect person, loves sinners and died for them. Advocated for a woman caught in the act of adultery, something he would never have done personally, but advocated for her. And I'm like, okay, so everybody knows we need more love in the world. You can go in any room, any coffee shop, any college campus, any youth group, you know, any high school and say, does anybody think we need more love in the world? And everyone's going to raise their hand, except for the one person who loves to be contrary. No, no, no. We need less love. You know, like there's always that person. I was that person growing up. So I have to, I always acknowledge those <laughs> folks, but it's like, everyone knows we need more love. So why don't we have more love in the world? Because of pride. I don't love you because you don't vote the way that I vote. I don't love you because you won't affirm whatever I think you need to. I don't love you because you root for a different sports team. I mean, we have a, an epidemic of people beating up other people in sporting events right now. It's on the internet, like every week, like at this game, these people got in a fight. I'm like, gosh, mm -hmm. but what, it's all rooted in pride. And so what I found was by putting them all together, it really creates this beautiful tapestry on which to explore, like, this is what happiness is. This is God's plan, God's design the spirit-led way of divine happiness is right there in these two passages. Pastor Daniel, I think that this is actually a really timely and prophetic word, especially for young mm -hmm. leaders. And what I mean by that is I think that what you're helping us to do, Micah and I and the listener, is you're helping us redefine happiness in a way that actually aligns with the way Jesus defines happiness right. and something that honestly, it caught my attention and it's off script for a moment. So I hope that I have permission to go here. Um, and, and you're a lead pastor of a great church and you had just talked about how you're married, beautiful kids, large church, Hillsong channel podcasts, two minute messages. And yet like 
it, it just stood out to me that you said like those things on their own, which a young leader, many times mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like that's how we would define success or that's how I would say, well, man, if fill in the blank happened, then I'd be happy. And what I'm hearing you say is that those things weren't like a source of lasting joy for you. Can you talk about that? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to. So like this, like what we're talking about now, to me, this is like, as a, not only as a pastor, but as somebody who gets to pastor pastors. Yeah. Huge for me because here's the deal. We all, because of, it's not because of the church and it's not because of, it's like our environment, everything under heaven teaches us that you are valued by your production. Mm. And under heaven, that's actually the way that it is. Like, like you guys are married, right? And so Josiah, like you are valued as a husband because you're caring for your bride. You're, you're loving her as Jesus loved the church and you're not perfect. And neither is Micah. Mm-hmm. Well, she is, but you know how it is. Like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, so you're valued by being a good husband, your, your parents. It's like, you want to be good parents. And so you have things you need to do to be a good parent. Right. And then you have whatever your vocation is. And for us, it's ministry. Right. And so right. it's like, like you get to do what you get to do. You get valued because you produce in that area. And because under heaven are, we derive our value from production, then there's always the next step to take. Mm. It's like, man, okay, I, I, got, I, got the, I got the young adults ministry. Now we got to get it to 50. Now we got to get it to 100. Now we got to get to 200. Now we got to just 500, 1,000. And at each step, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do to get there. And, and what's great is like in ministry, reaching more people is a great thing. But when you reach more people, it doesn't mean you're going to be happier in Jesus or you're going to be fulfilled because there's always the next benchmark. And so what I, what God has taught me over the years with in the midst of much striving and, and not mm-hmm. striving for the wrong reasons. It's like, like, man, I want to re I want to see hundreds of thousands of people say yes to Jesus for the first time through the ministry that we do at Crossroads. Amen. It's like until eight, over 8 billion people in the world have bowed the knee to Jesus as Lord and savior that I'm like, man, there are more people to reach. Like, <laughs> yes. you know, like, and, and that's a, that's a, that, that is God's heart. He's not willing that any should perish, but all would come to repentance. Like, and I want to celebrate all over 8 billion people on the globe taking their next steps with Jesus in discipleship, mm-hmm. trusting him more, walking. So like for us at Crossroads, our ministry is eight over 8 billion people. That's, that's, that's our mission field. We want all of them, right? But here's the thing. Whenever, whatever your next goal is when you reach it, if you're not happy in Jesus before you reach it, you're not going to be happy when you get there. Wow. Because there's always the next benchmark. It's like, you know, Tom Brady is the, is, has got the most Super Bowl championships as a quarterback. Why is he still showing up? Because all the Super Bowl championships don't fulfill that longing for significance. Mm-hmm. You, you can do this across the, I mean, the old saying, uh, what a uh, Rockefeller, one of the earliest, you know, kind of mega wealthy people. How much more money you want to make? Just a little bit more. Yep. So what I always tell people is that under heaven, we are valued by production, but in the kingdom, you're valued because of the finished work of Jesus and God's grace. So under heaven, it's all about production, but in heaven and in God's kingdom, which is what the, it's the, it's the culture of heaven touching down to earth. You're valued because Jesus died and rose again. And so what I am learning, even in this season of my life, I'm in my 40s, so I'm way older than everybody that is probably listening to this right now or, or who, you're, who you're ministering to. Like I'm learning that, it, that however many people read Crazy Happy, I'm not loved anymore. I'm already, right. like God loves me. He can't love me more and he won't love me less. 
Right. Because God is love and Jesus died and rose again. And when God sees me, he doesn't just see Daniel trying to prove that he can succeed, but he sees Jesus already ruling and reigning, conquering in my heart and God's doing the work. And for me, that takes all of the anxiety out of ministry. It's really freeing. It's <laughs> tremendously freeing when you, what you just said, Daniel, as it just like, as I receive it, it's <laughs> tremendously freeing. And then Jesus said, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It doesn't mean we don't try hard. And it doesn't mean we're like, it's like God's not opposed to effort. He's opposed to earning. That's what Dallas Willard said. It's good. Yeah. It's like, so like, like if, and what happens is in ministry and anybody who's listening to this is in ministry, you know, this, you know, you're not supposed to think that you're earning, but deep down you do because in the human heart under heaven, mm. because of the fall of Adam and Eve that we inherited, the, the sin nature, even though we've been redeemed, there is still those species of the fall that still grip our hearts. And we still are insecure and we still get fearful. And we think, man, my job will be secure if I get those hundred kids in that ministry, right? And, and so it becomes this, I have to earn it. And, and, and because under heaven, that reality still exists. But when you realize like, listen, my life is in God's hand. This is what God just told me just recently. So I'm like, I'm still like, I can't believe he, he said this to me. So we all know 1 Corinthians 13, 13, abide these three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The Lord's like, Daniel, you know that and you teach it, but let me show you places where you're not living it. Mm. And like, he started showing me different areas of ministry where I'm like, no, no, I'm not abiding in faith. I'm abiding in doubt and I'm trying to earn my way in. So when you abide in faith, then you can abandon all outcomes. Then you can say like, it doesn't matter what happens because I trust him, the Lord. I trust what he's done. And because I trust what he's done, I can have hope about tomorrow. I'm not worried about tomorrow because tomorrow's in his hands just the way my past is in his hands, just the way my present is in his hands. Mm -hmm. And if I can trust him and I broker in hope because I'm in his hands, Hmm. Then I can just walk in love. I, I'm receiving his love. I love him because he first loved us. Right. And I can love everybody around me, no matter how I'm feeling, simply because I'm walking by faith and not by sight. And I think in the ministry, like I just came back from vacation. I always joke with our team that every time I walk back from, come back from vacation, I walk up to the staff entrance door at Crossroads <laughs> and I expect to put my key in and my key doesn't work. Like I expect that they'll be like, they finally realize like Fusco is we got to get rid of that guy. Like he's no good. And every time there's this moment where I'm just like, it goes in and it works. I'm like, okay, <laughs> not this, not today, you know? And it's like, and the Lord just keeps reminding me like, Daniel, even if one day I walk up the crossroads and, and the key doesn't work, God's got a plan in that too. Mm -hmm. they, they told me they're not going to do that. And, I, and I, I trust them, but you know, even if they did, you know, it's like, okay, God, what are you going to do now? And, and I, it is incredibly freeing. And I think God, like, as leaders and as teachers, we can't give people what we don't have. Yeah. Right. right. And so I, I want to live in greater liberty in Jesus, not, not to be like a libertine and just do whatever I want, but like, I want that freedom to be like, God, my life is in your hands. Like, mm -hmm. what can a person do to me? Like, like, what's the big deal? And I think also in a, in a day and age of cancel culture and all this stuff, that glorious liberty of the children of God that the apostle Paul talks about, that should be our spiritual reality in Jesus. So good. So good. I don't know if I blinked the last like five minutes because I'm just processing everything. I have to go back and re-listen to everything you just said, but there were 
just some very key, key things in the verbiage that you used is so powerful. And um, Pastor Daniel, I would even just lean into this portion of like two questions, kind of wrapping them together is why do you believe young adult ministry is important and how do we love the next generation like Christ would love with all of this going on in the world in which we live? Like, how do you, how do we, how do we love them? How do we teach them? How do we rally alongside them? And why is that important? Well, I mean, for everyone who's listening and who's serving young adults, what you do is so important because for a young adult, they are making decisions now that is going to set the, up their life. Like, so like when, when I came to know Jesus, I was 21 years old. I had already made a million mistakes mm -hmm. and I did not have a godly influence in my life. Mm -hmm. So like I would be the person on the college campus that, that people who are listening to serving who you'd walk by and you'd be like, <laughs> not going to spend time with that dude. You know, I was the guy in overalls, you know, with nothing underneath it, you know, smoking weed, playing a bongo. Like I was that guy, you know, and it's like, and, and nobody shared the gospel with me. Like, except for these two friends of mine who started walking with Jesus, mm -hmm. they grew up in Christian homes, they strayed away. Like nobody shared the gospel. Nobody's like, bro, like, have you ever thought about your soul? Have you ever, you know, it's like not once in a huge campus. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had already made a million bad decisions. And by the time I came to know Jesus, I had to unlearn all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so ministry to young adults is so substantial because you might be the only person they listen to because they're not listening to their parents. Because as we talked about, puberty is God's way through nature to drive them out of their home. So we need godly influences. And so I'm watching it now as I have a teenage son. I am so grateful for the pastors of Crossroads who do emerging generations wow. because they're speaking into his heart. He's still listening to me, praise God. But I know it's starting now. He's starting to tune me and his mom out a little bit. And I know this is God's way. So I'm like, listen, I know you're tuning us out, but you still live in our home and we love you. And so like, let's work this out. But like, he's got godly people coming in and speaking. And I just sit back. I just thank them all the time. Like I'm praying for you guys, you know? And so what you're doing is important. It's more important than you'll ever realize. And I have a friend who did campus ministry for 40 years. Now he's, you know, he's in his seventies. And I'm like, only in heaven will you realize the impact that you're having. Wow. Because yeah, pe people are coming and going, they're moving through. And, and in a lot of ways you're doing ministry like the apostle Paul. I love to tell emerging gen leaders this. Apostle Paul would go into a, a kind of a, a pass-through city with commerce and he would make an investment and he might never see those people again. He'll go back in a couple of years, all new people are there, maybe one person's still there, you know? And it's like, but the amount of impact you have on people passing through it, 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 it offends our sense of wanting community in a way, but you're having an impact that, that they're going to lead forward. And I think about the people in my, the mentors that I had when I came to know Jesus some of the people who were on the outside, kind of slight influences who were believers, huge impact on me now. I would not be where I am today. When I, when I got saved, I ended up in a church. The senior pastor took an interest in me because I was the weirdest guy in the church, he told me. And he's like, man, I got to hang out with the weird guy, you know? And um, like, I wouldn't be where I am today if, if, these, if, if godly people didn't make an investment. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing on how, how do we minister? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is, monologues are unacceptable today. Like, and, and 
for the for for the previous generation or or the or the established generation now the monologue was completely acceptable mm-hmm. so i think setting up environments where young adults don't only hear but they can share yeah safe places where they can open up their hearts their fears i think that young adult leaders of today need to we need to wait a little longer to answer because I think that there's a lot of smoke, but it's not what the, where the fire is in, in young adult answers. Like the, their initial response is going to be strong. It's going to be emotional and it's going to be undercooked. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you ask them a little bit more to, to, to bring, you'll actually, we get, it, it takes a little bit more time to get down to what's the real struggle. Mm-hmm. What's the real issue. And I always like to tell the folks at Crossroads, people who who are part of the ministry that we do. And, you know, I'm like, everything that we desire is actually an echo of a greater eternal desire that we have. And so what happens, we get caught up on the echo. Like, so someone's like, man, not like, you know, maybe, maybe you're ministering to like a, a, a young woman and she, and, and she just goes from relationship to relationship, right? Uh, and, and, and you're like, man, like, wh- why don't you just not, just have a relationship with Jesus. No, no, no. Like I, I just, I, I like to have people around really that desire for a relationship. Obviously that's biblical. It's mm-hmm. not good that man's alone. So it's like, so we're, we're wired for relationships. And in our culture, relationships happen later and differently than in the Bible. And that's true. Yep. But really when someone is desiring to be known, like that's an echo of the eternal spiritual desire. Everybody yep. wants to be known. You're already known. God has already numbered every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. You know, when someone desires uh, financial security, that's not a bad thing because really it's an echo of a greater desire, a a desire for true security. And of course, the Bible says, Jesus said, no one could snatch them out of my hands. Mm -hmm. So all the things that young adults do to try and pacify those those eternal desires are actually invitations from God that they're just interpreting and choosing the easy one. Like we talked about earlier, like with happiness, it's like, yeah, all these things we're trying to pacify, but it doesn't work. And so I think giving young adults a chance to kind of not us telling them, but almost us setting the stage in dialogue with them mm-hmm. so that they can, these things are emerging already out of the depths of who they are. Like when I look at my college years, all of the echoes were there. I just had no clue where to find the true fulfillment. And nobody was there to tell me. And so, so young adult leaders are there to be able to like, Hey, talk to me a little bit about that desire you have. Like, we don't ever do this. We just want to get right to the Bible verse. And I love the Bible and I love the verses, but when you draw them out and it becomes, Hey, do you realize that what you're doing is you're actually trying to fulfill something that the Bible says is actually only fulfilled here. And it's the same thing you want to be known. You want to be, you want intimacy. You want someone to really deeply know who you are. It's like, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Right. And so all of it is an echo. It's an invitation from God. It's an echo to something greater, but our culture is superficial. We we like it on the surface. It's easier that way, but it will never truly fulfill. And I think young adult leaders have that opportunity. So I would say, invite them into dialogue, let them be messy. And it's okay because we're all messy, whether or not we tell anybody or not. Like I'm, I'm the messiest guy in the room every time I'm in a room and I know it. Like I got all sorts of things. God's like, yeah, that, no, oh no. Like, you know, and, and it's not disqualifying. It's just, I'm just human. 
exactly yeah. the way God made me to be. And so when we create those environments, I think you we will find, and we're, we see it at Crossroads, that young adults are opening up their lives to people mm -hmm. and, and, and they desire to be known. That's why there's a million social media posts. That's why there's a million selfies. It's like, right. I want you to know me. I want you to know me. And it's like, and that's human. That, there's nothing wrong with that. That's being human. But it will only be fulfilled really in Jesus. And you guys know it as a married couple. It's like, you know one another and your companions, but there's still a craving to be known more deeply. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's parts of us that we still hide from the people's, people closest to us. We know we shouldn't. We don't want to, but we still do it sometimes. And sometimes we like peek out. We're like, hey, I just want you to know I'm super freaked out in this scenario. And you feel scared to say it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so it's like that desire to be known is so real and it's God given because God placed it in us because eternity is in our hearts, you know, and, and as and as Augustine said, we'll only find our our soul's rest until we find it in the Lord. And so there's there's a longing, I think, in the younger generation and they don't see the church as relevant, but they will see people in their lives as relevant. That's so good. Oh, my gosh. There is such a depth. Mm -hmm to just you, Daniel, of just that we get to tap into and asking you questions. I'm a very curious, extroverted <laughs> person to begin with. And this is just fun because I think the depths of my heart are always calling out for more of God, the way Tozer writes of just mm -hmm. as a deer pants for streams of living water, just like the psalmist says, like, I I'm looking for more of God and I'm looking for deeper things. And um, the way you framed that of echoes. Yeah. I think that helps me frame conversations that I'm going to be having in this next week. And I pray it does for the listener as well, too. And speaking of going deeper, how we usually close the podcast, Pastor Daniel, is just, we call it five and five. And it's getting to listen to you in a deeper way, letting the listener mm -hmm. in in a deeper way. Five questions, five minutes, a little bit rapid fire. You up for that this, this section? Sure, totally. Cool. I'll kick us off. Okay. Kick Reagan? us off. Okay. Yep. Number one. If you could describe your soul in three words right now, any language, what would they be? Okay. My soul in three words. One, freaky. <laughs> Two, um, crazy. And three, timid. Oh, there you go. All right. Question number two. Would you be willing to share a recent or favorite story of maybe salvation, transformation, or life change? It can be a part of your story or a part of somebody else's that you've been able to, you know, be a part of. Okay. I'll tell you a cool story. So I just heard the story yesterday. So I just came back off vacation and we brought on some, some new staff members here at Crossroads. So we have a, a new guy in our building services department named Dalton. So here's what the story goes. So Dalton was... Uh, he had gotten in some trouble and he had to do community service. And so they were doing uh, what we call second Saturday here at Crossroads, which is second Saturday of every month. We do an outreach into the community and the courts let people do their community service as part of second Saturday. And, uh, and he ends up working alongside uh, Josh, who's one of the guys on our, in our discipleship team. Uh, and he's got, and Josh is wearing, you know, uh, you know, a simply responding to Jesus shirt, you know, which is kind of a crossroads thing. And, and so, uh, and so, and so Dalton says to Josh, like, so, Hey, what, what's this all about with this <laughs> Jesus thing? And, and why are you here? What'd you do? And he's like, Oh, I'm not, you know, he's like, I'm just here. Our church runs this. And he's like, so you're not doing, you're not like on community service, like court order. He's like, no, no, I do it. Cause I want to. He's like, what? He's like, they're having this kind of <laughs> cool conversation. Right. So, so Josh invites Dalton to come to church. Right. So two weeks later, 
Josh is part of our discipleship team, new believers team. So we're doing the altar call. And sure enough, Josh sees Dalton, another one of his friends, raising their hand, giving their life to Jesus. Right. And, and Josh is like, and, and like they're like hugging and they, Dalton's giving his life to Jesus. And then amazing. Like three weeks later, we post a job for a guy in our building services department, and Dalton applies and gets the job. So at staff meeting yesterday, Josh sees Dalton on staff at the church. And they're just like, oh my, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And Dalton's <laughs> like, I can't believe I'm here. I'm working at the church. Like, and it's like, and, and it's so cool because and Dalton is this great young guy, and mm-hmm. and like God's doing a work in him. And 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 it and it's it's happening because Josh was willing to go and serve in the community, meets Dalton. They talk for a little bit and now God has linked these guys. And it was so funny because like after our staff meeting, like we had like a little staff social and uh, Dalton and Josh were just hanging out. And I'm just like, this is what Jesus does. Yep, that's the kingdom of God right there. (laughs) That's the why, Pastor Daniel, right there. That is an amazing story of life change and crazy happiness in a whole, you know, skin on form. That's really cool. How about this? This is the curveball for the five and five. If you could ask Mike and I one question, anything, what would you like to know? Ooh. Ooh. That's a, this is a good one. Okay. So, so here's the question that I would ask. Here's the question I would ask. When you drive somewhere, who drives? And is the person in the passenger seat a backseat driver? Ooh. <laughs> Wanna go? Sure. I think for whatever reason, I couldn't tell you why. I almost always grab the keys right here. And I I I had a moment with J.R. Bernard, hosted him for a conference. And he's this uh, you know, East Coast, very direct pastor. And we were engaged. We were like weeks away from getting married, and Micah came to dinner with us. And in the hustle and bustle of things, I didn't grab the door for Micah. So I always, every time I get in the car, I grab the keys and I always open the door for Micah because A.R. Bernard, in his way that only he can do, he said, Josiah, always open the door for your bride. And I've never forgotten that. It was a defining (laughs) moment. I've never really shared that. So that was that moment. So I think that's part of why I always drive. And is Micah a backseat driver? I'd have to say even more so since we got kids, I think we have our daughter and then we have one on the way. Precious cargo. And he started saying, oh, precious cargo, precious cargo. So it'll touch my stomach, precious cargo. I'm like, well, then let off the gas. Like, don't ride their butt. Like, what are you doing? So I think we have this healthy healthy banter in the car. Um, But I remember someone saying this about um, like finding a parking spot. Like, I'll see a great parking spot. I can't remember who in the world told me this. And they're like, you know what? It's okay to let a man fail. And it's okay to let a man find his own parking spot. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so I just keep that in mind. of like, okay, babe, if you want to park, we're young and we can exercise. <laughs> well, can I say this to everyone who's listening right now? You guys just shared some great wisdom. First, husbands, always open the door for your brides. Chivalry may be dead in our culture, but it's not dead in the kingdom of God. Right. So, and and on on second with that, husbands, don't let your wives take out the garbage. I don't know if I'm just busting you, Josiah, or not, but like I always tell he's he's on it. Okay, okay, good. (laughs) Guys, listen, God's daughter does not need to touch the garbage. That's our job in Jesus' name. Okay, so that's the first thing. So that's really good. And then I love what 
Micah, like, first I want to just, the honesty to say, you know, like, Hey, I think now that we're having kids, like I, I'm a little bit more cautious when he's driving. That's super, <laughs> like, I just love, I love the vulnerability and the honesty. And so, but, but that idea of like the, I always love the fact that when God brings a husband and wife together, he, he's not just trying to put them together to make a family. He puts them together to make a team, mm-hmm. you know? And, and one of the things that I love is especially like for you guys, you guys are both strong, gifted, ministry-minded, you're, you're movers and shakers. One of you on your own is going to change an environment. You put you two together. And then as I watch you guys, it's like, man, it's like, you know, it's, it's power. <laughs> One drives back a thousand and two drives back 10,000. But like you guys, you know, how you navigate working together, like, yeah, let, let, let them pick a worse parking spot. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like that stuff is it's just such brilliant relational wisdom. And so everyone who's listening, man, make sure you practice that. It's so good. Wow. It's fun. And compliment. So thank you so much. So that's kind of you to say that was fun to, <laughs> fun to talk about too. All right. So here's question number four of five. Um, Pastor Daniel, we love to hear from people and our listeners love this question as well, just because we like to learn from each other. So if you would be willing to maybe share one of, an, one of your epic failures, whether that be an experience in life, relationships, ministry, leadership, would you be willing to Give us a little glimpse of one of those epic failures today. Oh yeah. So I, I have so many of them. I, like, I love to say that life is messy and Jesus is real because I am messy and thank yeah. God for Jesus. And so um, here's, here's, a, here's something that an epic fail that I have uh, repeated about 97,000 times. And it's also real top of mind because I just uh, did it again yesterday and um you know, and, and I'm still suffering the repercussions of it. So I am, if you know the Enneagram at all, I am a classic Enneagram seven, which means like fun all day long. Yes. The more of it, the more fun. Yes. It was really bad when I was outside of Jesus because it was like, <laughs> no good. So, so, but, but here, here's a, here's a leader. Here's a, here's a mistake. An epic failure I make every day is I try and put too many things into one day. Mm. And so what happens is, is it's always, oh yeah, we could do that. Oh yeah, we could do that. Oh yeah, we could do that. And so what I end up doing is, and this is like a pretty, and if you're all listening to this, you know, please pray for me and for everybody around me is that I end up when the day is over, like I'm like the, the walking zombie. Like, like I just did, I went wall to wall from the moment I woke up until the moment I went to sleep. And as I'm getting older, you know, I, I just don't bounce back as quick. And so um, God has been really speaking to me and, and he's, God was reminding me through that idea of like his whole plan with the Sabbath is to remind us that mm-hmm. it's not all about what we do. And I was talking about it earlier, like it's all about production under heaven. And right. so like, like, like I have a pacing problem straight up and I've had it for years, you know, and I, and I keep trying to put boundaries in place. Like me and my bride, Lynn, we're talking about it this morning and, you know, and, and I'm like, she's like, how you doing? I'm like, I didn't pace the day at all well yesterday. She's like, I almost said something to you. I'm like, I wish you would have, you know, because I literally, I guess it's like, I went wall to wall. Like even to the point where I had a series of me, like we called yesterday, Super Tuesday. We're recording this on a Wednesday, you know, uh, where it's like all of our big meetings. It's like all staff, leadership team, executive team, one-on-one meetings, you know, and I like took a dentist appointment at like seven in the morning, you know, like, 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 like we did like a huge, like a three hour, two hour family hike at night, you know, and it was just like, and it was just horrible. And so like what God is reminding me is that I have limitations. He doesn't, but I do. And when I don't honor the limitations of energy or um, ability, 
that what it is an act of faithlessness on my part. And so that's a, and, and I've, I've made this mistake a million times. Like, like how many times have I, have I responded to something exhausted in a way that I wish I hadn't, you know, how, how many times have I given away my best energy for something that didn't matter mm-hmm. and not reserved it for what does matter. And so this is like a perpetual epic fail in my own life. So. Hey, thanks for going there. Thank you for going there because my Enneagram is 98% seven <laughs> and 96% three. So I'm this enthusiastic achiever. So I really relate with hey, what but you I'm all, said. I'm the challenger. So I probably would be like, Josiah, me. let's rein it in, rein it in, buddy. But can you imagine me running rogue, not a non-believer as a challenger? Yikes. <laughs> wait, so wait, so, so Josiah, you're a seven to three and Michael, you're an eight and a what? I don't even know the other one. I can't remember. You just, you just ate off the board, huh? Probably. Oh my gosh. And hopefully the best way possible. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, Daniel, as we kind of close our time together, we just like to, to close with this thought of just handing you the microphone and group of young leaders. Maybe it's a piece of encouragement, mm-hmm. insight, or advice. But if you could share one thing with the listener today, well, and, and for Mike and I as well, what would it be? Okay, here's what I'd say. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase um, Brian Houston from Hillsong. So I got the chance to meet um, Pastor Brian and, and Bobby um, a number of years ago. And I got the opportunity to interview uh, Pastor Brian in, a, in front of a group of young leaders. And he was just celebrating like what, I was like 40 years at Hillsong. And, and wow. I said, listen, I'm like, you know, and, and at the time I was probably in my you know, mid thirties. And I'm like, so listen, you know, you're talking to a room of young leaders and you've just celebrated 40 years of ministry, incredible ministry, and not nowhere near done. What's the secret? What's the secret? And he and it was so funny because he just kind of sat back on his chair and kind of looked around. And he said, <laughs> you just got to keep going. Mm. He said, sometimes the person who has the greatest impact just kept trugging up the mountain. And I think right now, I think in the tensions of our culture, I think, you know, the, 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 the wholesale deconstruction that's going on culturally right now, I think we're also, my theology is, a, is, is, a, is I believe in the doctrine of eminence, which means the return of Jesus is sooner than it's ever been. And I believe that the spiritual warfare is worse right now than it maybe has ever been in the history of humankind. Yeah. Because Jesus' return is soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think so between the cultural craziness, the spiritual warfare, I think people are struggling. I think leaders are struggling. I think leaders are quitting. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm seeing lots of pastors my age who've been in ministry for 20 years are, are ejecting right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. And what I would say is don't quit. Like if you hit the wall, and we all do. When you hit the wall, you need to get some people around you and don't make like the the worst thing you can do is make huge life-changing decisions when you're burnt out, Mm -hmm. when when, when you're mangled. So don't quit, but get healthy. You know what I mean? It's like, because I believe that God wants to do a work in this generation more in, in such a profound way beyond what we could even fathom and, and with new ways of reaching people and new ways of discipling people with the same good old message of who Jesus is and what he's an unchanging message 
but but the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few and they're becoming less. Mm-hmm. And I think the pandemic has wreaked havoc on the souls and the and and the vision of godly leaders. I think people are just like there people are undone right now. Mm-hmm. So my encouragement would be don't quit, get healthy and keep going. And uh, that's something that I'm always telling our leaders and when I get a chance to talk to people and and I just think of Brian Houston like sometimes the guy who who's on the top of the mountain is just the guy who just didn't quit along the way. And he said, he's like, you know, there's all these different times when I was ready to quit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, he's like, I go through the history of the ministry and there's all these things that were heartbreaking, demoralizing. He's like, not only other people's failures, my failures, like, you know, and, and he's like, but by God's grace, I just kept going. And he's like, and I've gotten to see incredible fruit, but I could have quit a long time ago and I wanted to but I just didn't. And so, and, and that's been, you know, that idea of, I want to be faithful, like however long God gives me on this earth, I have no control over that. I know I have to ask him to teach him to number my days that it might incline my heart to wisdom, as he says in the script, in the, in the, the Psalms, I just want to be, I want to be faithful to the end. And whenever I take my last breath, I know it won't be a perfect journey, but I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. And I want every leader of young adults to do the same thing. I think that's so good. Pastor Daniel, thank you for going there and sharing that. We just got done talking with the lead pastor from um, Vox Church. We were talking about the difference between circling the mountain versus climbing the mountain. And I just want to encourage a listener today, like if you feel like you've been circling, um, start climbing. And if you're climbing, you want to give up, keep going. And if you see somebody circling and you have been climbing, invite them in on the journey, whether it's a non-believer, whether it's somebody on your staff, whether it's somebody you feel like God's put on your heart to mentor, to disciple, to maybe just to befriend and just join each other in prayer and join your faith with theirs. So just keep going. Just keep climbing. Just keep swimming. Just like, uh, what's your name? Dory. Dory. Yeah. Yeah. See, just keep swimming. Sometimes we forget where we're going. We may lose our marbles along the way, but you know what? God will take us to where we need to go. So thank you so much for joining us, Pastor Daniel. Pleasure is all mine, you guys. And we just want to say, if you want to find out more about Pastor Daniel Fusco, Crossroads Community Church, as well as pick up a copy of Crazy Happy, we just encourage you to do that on our website at Young Adults Today. And in the social media is at Young Adults Today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Micah signing off with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.